Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did you respond to the call? Yes, I did. My daughter was walking the dog. And she ran into the house and said, Jerry and Laura, which we know them by, had an emergency when I come right over. Oh, I guess uh, I come over and found... On the porch, hysterical. And what did you find when you came into the house? I came in, I found everything in array. I mean, just disarray. The, the table's over, the chair's over, the icebox moved, the television moved, and I was the only one in the house, and they were still on the porch. Did you actually see anything move yourself? Yes, I did. I just told you. I saw the icebox move, I saw the television move, I straightened the television, it turned around. I saw the chairs open and close. Was there any other phenomenon that you observed? Nothing outside other than selling the people down. I said, did you also uh, see the cat? No, the cat was not around. Okay. And uh, did you also witness the little girl in the chair that was uh, pushed back in the front room? Can you tell us about that? Yes, I did. I seen her fly back three or four times. Just that was later on in the afternoon. I left and come back and saw this. And do you, um, did you test the chair to see whether it was uh, possible that, uh, that the girl could do it herself? No, there was no way. There was a priest here at the time when I returned across the street who tried it himself as big as I am. I'm 6'2". I weigh 220 pounds. And he couldn't move it. And she just flew back like there was nothing. Have you ever been involved in any psychic phenomenon before in your years on the police force? Fifteen years, no. Nothing. What was your belief in, um, in, in, in hauntings and poltergeist activity before? You probably heard about it. What's your belief now? I thought it was a poltergeist right away when I thought about it. When I thought about it. And I believe in this, but I don't follow it. I said, anything can happen. I said, so you were surprised. I mean, uh, you, you came to this believing that it could happen. No, everything can happen. Anything can happen. How was this reported in the police department? What kind of a report would be turned in? I don't know. I have to make a report myself. I was called by the Lieutenant Coco, Bridgeport Police Department, who observed and controlled the scene here today. I said, did he observe any phenomena, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Other officers at the scene, I had to make my report, like I say, and get names of the other officers who did observe. Were there many officers who observed? Uh, there was 10 or 12. 10 or 12, and also I believe there were firemen also. Well, firemen also, right. Firemen were here, it was 10 firemen, uh, two chiefs. And they ob- observed the phenomenon that uh, actually had seen things happen. I don't know what their activity was. I wasn't here. I was across the street watching my baby when the firemen arrived. But they walked out of here and they were afraid. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. It's there, but you can't see it. Why is this room so cold? You're home alone. You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. 
You feel a presence. Is someone or something watching you? And the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. You know, when you, and, and I'm sure you've heard this before when, when you've talked to uh, other people who who are into the weird and strange, a lot of them will say, oh, well, you know, I, uh, I was interested in this stuff when, you know, ever since I was a kid. And with me, it was, that's somewhat true, except that, um, you know, I was kind of drug kicking and screaming into it. I would say it was probably when I was about in third grade. Um, our, our third grade teacher uh, every week would assign a, um, uh, like a, a written an oral report to everyone based on uh, current news headlines. We used to get a thing in our school called uh, uh, the what was it like the the weekly reader uh, mm -hmm. put out by Scholastic Books, yeah. and it was yeah it was it was you know it was kind of like an aggregate of uh, you know like the week's uh, headlines and and uh, news reports you know kind of uh, softened up for for kids. And one week, my assignment was about. UFOs. Uh, there had been at that time there had been a kind of a small UFO flap going on in the United States. So you know, uh, you know uh, newspapers at that at that time actually ran stories about UFOs. Unlike today, you have to go to the internet mostly, you know, to find uh, updated uh, reports about UFOs. I had never heard about UFOs before. I could have cared less. You know, I was you know I, I was in Indiana, so I was interested in you know like car racing. <laughs> and, and, and things like that. So, you know, I did the best that I could. You know, I, I, I wrote my report. Then, you know, you had to read it in front of the class. And I... <sighs> I was pegged from that day on. You know, kids are always looking for something to hold over you, you know, hold over everybody else. And I was the flying saucer guy. I was the kid who believed in, in Martians and little green men. And, you know, people would tease me about it and stuff. And I said, you know, I'm not interested in this stuff. Quit, quit, you know, saying that I am. Ended up fascinating me and then drawing me into all of this was that, you know, people would make fun of you, you know, to your face and, you know, when, when you're in like a, a, a group and then later they'd come back to you and they would say, you know, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but, and then they'd go on and tell me a story about how their family you know, saw a, a UFO or that their house was haunted or, you know, grandpa, after he had died, called on the telephone or, you know, just, just all kinds of interesting stories like that. And that's what really drew me into this was the fact that people are having every day weird experiences that they don't know how to explain it. They don't know how to, to pigeonhole it, so to speak. You know, uh, the, the human mind is a wonderful thing, but, you know, we have a tendency to want to put our experiences in little boxes in our head based on previous experiences. And for a lot of people, you know, these kinds of, uh, you know, paranormal, and I'll put quotation marks around that because paranormal is just, you know, a convenient word for, you know, things that we, we, we can't really explain at this moment. And, and a lot of people 
they want somebody to to tell their experience to without being made fun of, without being laughed at. And you know, uh, a lot of you a lot of times you can't tell your friends. A lot of people can't even, you know, say anything to their families because they'll just be teased, uh, you know, teased to death. And so people will come to me a lot of times when they find out that I'm interested and write about this kind of stuff to tell me their story, not because they want publicity. You know, they, they don't want to be written up in, in one of my books or, or, or talked about on, uh, on webcast, <laughs> but they want somebody who will listen to them, not judge them, not laugh at them, and and you know basically say, yeah, you know, you you definitely had an unusual experience, but don't worry, people have stuff like this all the time. And I tell you something, when people tell me the, the you know, their stories, oftentimes the look of relief on their face afterwards. Uh, that that they were able to uh, 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 talk about it without being made fun of, and then they can go on with their life. You know, most people they really don't care if they get an echo. Uh, well, a lot of people do care. You know, if they they, they want to know why why this happened. I mean, you can't really say really why nobody really knows but just the fact that they were able to tell their story right. and get it off their chest you know that's 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 the thing that 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 most people are are looking for and uh, and that's really i mean that uh, that that was kind of a you know like a long <laughs> dialogue on my part there to you know to tell how i got started but that's really that's that's what got me started was just you know just the fact that people are having these unusual experiences and despite what the skeptics and debunkers say uh the majority of people People do not want publicity. They don't want to get, you know, made, you know, get money from it or anything like that. They just want to know uh, why it happened, and if they can't find out why it happened, they just want to know that they're not alone. And you're right. Some people hold it and keep it, whatever they see or experience for years, because they don't want to be ridiculed. Ridiculed. I totally get that. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, and uh, with the exception of, you know, people like us, people who listen to these kind of programs or, or maybe you know, watch some of these uh, uh, paranormal-based reality programs, the majority of people out there, I mean, they have no knowledge of this kind of stuff. You know, they don't read the books about it. You know, it's, uh, when, and then when something unusual does happen to them, they're really at a loss. I mean, you know, if something strange happens to one of us, you know, we'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Interesting, and you know that's you know that was a poltergeist activity, or you know PK, or, or whatever. You know, a, a lot of people they're just like, "What the heck was that? Oh my gosh, right, I'm, right. you know, I'm crazy." Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think they're crazy, right, so, so you right. have to reassure them that no, 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 you're not crazy. It actually, you know, it probably actually happened to you, just like you, you know, you said it did. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> I know that you do do some paranormal investigations or you have done them in the past. Are you still doing them now or what? Oh, sure. Oh yes. Uh, um, I, uh, uh, every day, you know, I, um, um, uh, will receive information from people and, you know, I don't get a chance to, uh, uh, travel great distances like I used to be able to. I mean, 
when in in my younger days when I um, uh, was uh, worked for television stations, you know, I got to travel all over the world, not necessarily you know for paranormal type investigations, but you know, but for other things. Uh, however, when I did get to travel. I always took the opportunity to come into contact uh, with, uh, uh, with with fellow researchers, uh, you know, all across the globe, and to uh, to look into, you know, like some local events and and things like that. So, I mean, when I worked in television, it was just you know an absolutely fantastic opportunity to go to some some really unusual places you know i mentioned you know the the great pyramids in in, in egypt and the, and the great wall of china because you know everybody knows about those but you know i mean i was in places like you know bulgaria uh when it was still uh behind the iron curtain and and you know and and, and turkey and uh places places like that and uh got to talk to some absolutely fantastic people and uh and and look into some uh really in incredible situations and uh you know nowadays uh you know i i, I tend to be able to travel war regionally sometimes you know i'm able to go to you know some places uh, uh, across the country uh but uh you know every day i talk to people over the phone or you know like over the internet and uh, uh get reports and uh, look into them and so you know that's 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 one of the fantastic things about the internet now is that uh, uh a lot of people that you know, it used to be you could only write to or, or maybe, you know, call them on the telephone. Now it's almost like you're in the same room with them when you, you know, when you're able to talk with them and, and, and you know, do some uh, interesting investigation. Yeah, that is a great thing. And I want to come back and talk to you about some of those investigations. But um, first, I want to ask you, can you tell us what is the most common type of haunting and what is the rarest type? Hmm. Well, you know, probably the most common type of haunting would be the ones that that only happen once. And that would be like uh, um, um, deathbed visitations. And what I mean by deathbed visitations is like, uh, uh, say, um, your your grandmother uh, passes away uh, in the middle of the night, and you wake up and she, you you see you know her you see her standing at the foot of the bed, you know looking at you, and you know sometimes uh, you know they'll they'll actually you know verbally communicate. Sometimes you know it's you know, they're 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 silent. That I would say is probably the most common. Some kind of you know just immediately after death visitation and probably the most uncommon would be um violent almost poltergeist types of hauntings that last for years um and uh, there's there's been some interesting uh, cases in the past where a haunting would start out just you know like wraps on the wall or maybe you know there is some things would be moved around and then it would just slowly increase 
where you know you start hearing voices you start the furniture starts being moved around you start seeing uh, apparitions of, uh, of of different sources you know voices start talking you know to the family and then it turns violent people are bitten they're uh, they find themselves you know covered in in uh, Spittle, uh, uh, pets die, um, you know, and then it just accelerates from that. And and some of these cases last have lasted for years, which is very you know unlike you know normal you know poltergeist or, or, or haunting situations. I mean, you just have a handful of of those kind of cases. And I mean, and, and a lot of times they they accelerate to such a point where the house will act or you know or, or building will actually burn down. Oh wow! Just, just yeah, just all of a sudden, it just it just catches on fire and burns down. You know, it's just like it just reaches its crescendo, and and then everything just like bursts into flames, and and then after that, it's done. You know, uh, a lot of times, if people try to move away, say from a uh, a poltergeist activity, it follows them. Uh, but in these extreme cases, you know, like I said, the 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 house will burn down. And then it'll be done. I mean, they'll they'll have to move or, or build on location, but rarely does anything ever happen again. And you know, and then of course there's been just a very few cases where there's actually been um, deaths attributed to uh, violent uh, supernatural activity. You know, the Bell the Bell Witch incident, uh, you know, comes to mind uh, first. Uh, but again, those those are so rare. Okay, so um, let me ask you this, Tim. The techniques or the methods that you that you would use to actually stop a poltergeist haunting, if it can be stopped, is it the same as a haunting that is believed to be caused by a human or some other entity? I don't think that you can stop a haunting. I mean, there's been attempts, you know, over the years, you know, you got exorcisms and, you know, they'll bring the priest in who will, you know, uh, uh, put out the holy water. And uh, I mean, even, uh, you know, you have like Native American rituals where you'll smudge a house or uh, some uh, uh, like Wiccan um, activities where, you know, like you'll place uh, um, salt on every corner of the house. Um, a lot of times this this kind of uh, attempts to stop a haunting is is generally ineffective and and in 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 fact a lot of times it just seems to make things worse um so uh, most of the time when it comes to you know hauntings and poltergeist if it's it's best just to ignore it uh, as best as you possibly can because if you try to get rid of it it just really seems to honk them off even more and and then things uh, uh, you know tend to turn turn violent uh, you know a lot of it has to do also with the mindset of the the, the family or, or or the people involved, um, if if you have. Um People in the family who tend to have a nervous disposition and are easily spooked—that—that um, that really seems to exasperate a, a, a situation. You know, it's almost, uh, especially when it comes to poltergeist. You know, it's—it's it, it's almost like you're dealing with a like a childlike almost uh, a personality that delights in in frightening you and uh, and and doing. 
the things that you seem to be most afraid of. Uh, one of the problems that I have with a lot of paranormal investigators is there are some that have a tendency to come into a house that's being haunted or has a poltergeist activity and just almost immediately you're like, yep, you got demons in this house or, you know, oh, I can feel the devil. Well, then lo and behold, then the, the activity starts gearing itself into that direction. And uh, it's it's uh, um, uh, you know the you know, the, the the Warrens. Um, um, she's she's still alive, but I think her husband has, has passed away. You know, they're very famous uh, uh, poltergeist and haunting investigators. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they they really had a bad tendency to do that to go into a house and, and just almost immediately say, "Yeah, I can sense you have demons in the house," and then you know. Pretty soon, you know, like uh, if if the family was Catholic, you know, they'd find like their uh, crucifixes would be turned upside down, and uh, you know, it just uh, it, it just really seems to make things worse. And uh, you know, I I think that a lot of this phenomena has a tendency to uh, actually present itself in in a way that you expect it to present itself. Uh, so so I mean, if you if you're if you go along the lines that, yeah, this is a violent evil spirit, then it's going to act like a violent evil spirit. Uh, if you tend to ignore it and, and, and not give it any energy, then pretty soon it'll go away. Uh, because it's it's that attention that you give it the, that, that it really seems to feed off of. Is there an intelligence behind poltergeist hauntings? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there is an intelligence involved. Now, what that intelligence is, you know, that's that's still up for grabs. Um, it, it, you know, for for quite a while, there has been the interpretation that a poltergeist could be kind of almost like a mind split from a uh, uh, like an adolescent living in the house who's who's having problems or, or you know, if not an adolescent, you know, somebody in the house who is having some kind of an emotional problem um, that for for whatever reason, you know, seems to create a, uh, um, a, a buildup of, uh, of, of PK energies, you know, psychokinetic energies that, that manifests itself uh, in, in, you know, the traditional uh, poltergeist settings. Um, uh, now, there have been uh, researchers like uh, the, the late uh, Colin Wilson, uh, who, who lived in England, and he speculated that it could be kind of a combination of the Two, that you have, uh, say, somebody who is having emotional problems that um, uh, uh, is then seen by, say, a discarnate or even an elemental type of uh, entity as uh, almost like a beacon, you know, they, that this, this energy can be seen and, and it'll draw in uh, uh, an outside force that will then feed off of this energy. And he put it, it was, it's almost like uh, uh, these, uh, these people would produce like a, uh, um, 
uh, an energetic football. And then these uh, other entities would come in and kick the ball around the house for a while mm-hmm. and uh, until it till it dissipates and then they'll go away. And um, uh, so a lot, I think a lot of these situations, you know, could be along those lines where, you know, where you have one person that is producing the energy, but then you have uh, an outside entity of, of some kind who's coming in and, and, and kicking it around. And some of the effects that you that, that, that people experience are almost like side effects, you know, maybe not deliberate attempts of, uh, you know, scaring a family, you know, even though we do see that quite a bit. Uh, but, but some of the uh, situations, you know, like furniture moving around on its own or you know, things like that just may actually just be a side effect of this uh, um, energy being uh, used up and played out. Now we know that this is a nightmarish scenario. You go to visit a place that is known to be haunted and then it follows you home. Um, do you know of any cases personally where that's happened? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, definitely. You know, now if you're, you know, if you are talking about, say, like a, a haunting situation that that definitely uh, seems to involve an intelligence of some kind, and not necessarily, you know, just just kind of like the uh, free floating uh, psychokinetic activity of certain poltergeist. Um, oh yes, definitely. Uh, I always it always disturbs me. When I see some of these uh, 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 ghost hunting reality shows on television where the investigators are uh, provoking the spirits in an attempt to get a response, but I've actually heard some of them on these shows say, you know, oh, you know, if you make an appearance, you know, you can you, know, you can follow me home. I'll bring I'll take you home with me. And I was like, oh, don't do that. That is just so reckless because it does happen. And uh, I, I, I have – talk to um, paranormal uh, um, investigation groups and told them that uh, you know that when you go into these kinds of situations you really have to be careful and to keep yourself shielded to prevent the possibility that that some of these discarnic energies don't follow you home uh, because it has happened and uh, and and you know and then these people have the you know they have the nerve to be surprised <laughs> When they go home and all of a sudden, you know, they see something coming out of their closet at night, you know, when when there hadn't been anything happening before. And, you know, it's just like, you know, you you cannot go into a a haunting situation with a flippant attitude that, hey, you know, we're just here having fun and, you know, boo ghost, you know, come on out. I want to see you and that sort of thing, Uh, because it's uh, these these things are intelligent, whatever they are, whether they are actual, you know, spirits of humans that have passed on or whether they're, there's something else or, or a combination of two, because they can very easily attach themselves to you and, and follow you home. And then a lot of times it's hard to get rid of them. Like I said, previously, um, most of the time they'll go away only when they want to go away. And, uh, but again, you know, if, if, if you just, if you don't supply them, you know, with the energy, they'll, they'll tend to, uh, you know, go find 
you know, some, something else. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, they'll, uh, you know, even, you know, people who are dedicated to uh, 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 psychical research, when they find themselves facing this kind, you know, these kind of situations on their own home front, will panic. And oh boy, that's just, I mean, that's great. That's just food uh, to these things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, and, you know, watching these paranormal programs, you wonder, you know, before they actually make uh, any type of effort to even see what's going on initially, are they protecting themselves before they go into these locations? What do you think? Well, yeah. Uh, now, see, uh, these ones that I've seen on on television, I mean, they, they they don't seem to give any indication that they make any kind of uh, of preparations beforehand uh, before they go into these situations. Maybe they do, but uh, I guess you know it's not it's not sexy enough to be included, you know, on on the show. I mean, you you know, you only have uh, what forty forty minutes uh, uh, airtime, you know. Because the rest of the time is made up of commercials, so I mean, you you just got to get in there and you know show just just the best stuff. But you know there are ways that you can um, uh, uh, prep before you go into that situation. I mean, you know, even even something as simple as the you know the visualizing the white lights. Uh, surrounding you and protecting you uh, before you go in. I mean, you know, something like that is just uh, uh, extremely helpful. All you have to do is just spend five minutes of quiet time just envisioning yourself surrounded by like an eggshell of pure white light, and nothing can get through that. You know, and uh, and and uh, you know, uh, and you find yourself just you know just completely perfected, uh, protected. You know, some people will do what's called throwing pentagrams, which is that you envision a uh, a, a, a pentagram that's made out of uh, of, of white light, and you, uh, uh, you 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 almost you use it like. Um, like a like a frisbee, you know. You just start throwing them. You envision yourself throwing them out around you, and then pretty soon, you know, you'll 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 be completely protected, you know, from any kind of um, um, entity or force that wishes to to do you harm. Uh, you know, it, it it's really I think it it's just a matter of personal preference. You know, I think that if you imagine that you're surrounded by, uh, you know, guys with uh, um, um, submachine guns that are blasting away at uh, any evil outside forces, uh, that would probably work as well. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just all just a matter of, of, of preparation and believing in uh, uh, what you are doing will be effective. And, uh, you know, the majority of the time that, uh, that, that, that seems to work. You know, I can't explain how it does. You know, the human mind is an absolutely uh, uh, wonderful, incredible thing. And, and we are a lot more powerful than you know, uh, than, than we, than we think that we are, you know, we're in touch with that, uh, that, that creative process in the universe, that whatever it is that, that got the, that 
got the universe going in the first place. You know, we're a part of that. Uh, and so all you have to do is just kind of tap into that, and you'll find that uh, you can easily protect yourself uh, uh, from things that uh, have um, uh, less than honorable intentions for you. You know, one particular thing that I do find fascinating is that many of these accounts seem to happen at night, but poltergeist, you know, you hear about them happening any time of the day, day or night. Yeah, po- well, poltergeist can happen can happen at any time, and well, and and uh, let me tell you also the, the despite what you see, you know, on these uh, television shows, or uh, you know, they they'll only go into these places at night and turn off the lights and you know walk around with their uh, 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 their night vision cameras and and scopes, you know. Um, Ghostly occurrences can happen at any time in the day as well. Uh, don't you know? Don't be fooled by uh, by this stuff. I mean, people have seen ghosts and apparitions in broad daylights in situations that um, where there are crowds and other people around. Um, you know, this kind of phenomena uh, can happen at any time of the day, uh, I think that we've just been conditioned over the years to think that this kind of stuff um, only happens in the dead of night, you know, three o'clock in the morning when uh, when they can sneak up on you in the dark. Uh, but, uh, you know, I talked to I talked to a guy one time who he was uh, he was walking down a crowded street in uh, this would have been uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he saw a friend of his that he hadn't seen for quite a while uh, walking on the other side of the street. So he actually – he made the point that he you know, he crossed the street at the nearest corner, you know, came up to his friend, talked to him for a few minutes, shook his hand. Uh, uh, you know, they uh, exchanged pleasantries. You know, he was on his way to an appointment, so he couldn't talk for long. And uh, uh, you know, they promised that they would uh, get together again real soon. Uh, he come to find out a few days later. Later, that this friend had been dead for about a year. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, and he was like, "I know that was him." I mean, he even, you know, he, he even, you know, answered to his name. You know, I called out his name, and he turned around and, and he said he was as solid as you know anybody else. I shook his hand, you know, but there it was. He had been he had been dead for a year. So you know, what do you make of that? You know, what's a, what is a ghost? You know, what is an apparition? So you know, it's just it's just you know any any way that you can envision these things happening, they've happened. You know, people have seen you know like the traditional you know transparent uh, uh, ghosts that just you know kind of float around a room and go through walls and everything like that. Other other apparitions. They seem to be as solid as as you or me, and uh, and some people. I mean, you know, these these apparitions. The, the only way they they know that it's a ghost, they'll just suddenly disappear. You know, one minute they're there, and next they're not. You know, that's and that's pretty shocking. I mean, it's one thing to see, you know, like a translucent type of figure, you know, walking down your hallway that slowly disappears. It's another to be to see somebody who looks as solid as as all of us just suddenly just vanished in, in the blink of an eye. You know, that, that really sets your mind reeling. What, what are orbs exactly? But yeah, uh, you know, when it comes to, to orbs, um, I think that, um, you know, some, 
some of that is somewhat controversial because with the advent of uh, digital photography, some people started noticing uh, what appeared to be um, almost like balls of light. Um, in their photographs, uh, especially those who were taking pictures at a location that was, you know, reportedly, you know, uh, haunted, and they would see, you know, these the these these uh, circles of light that seemed to be floating around. You know, like some photographs, uh, they would take a series of photographs, and uh, there wouldn't be anything in one photograph, and then like the the one taken immediately afterwards. Uh, would have these uh, these orbs that uh, look like that they were floating around. And you have to be really careful uh, because of the way that um, um, digital cameras work uh, and the way especially like the uh, flash uh, attachments are on them, they can illuminate uh, um, um, specks of dust uh, that are that are closer to the camera lens, and then you know tend to be out of uh, focus, especially with these cameras that have uh, a, a fixed focal length. And so uh, you'll they'll produce what appears to be you know like orbs of light uh, very close to the camera. Uh, you know, on the other hand, there are a lot of um, uh, uh, of situations uh, where people were using film cameras and they would get uh, what appeared to be balls of light. So you really, you know, you can't, uh, you can't say that every orb photograph is just simply uh, a bug or, you know, or bits of dust that's, uh, you know, caught the flash or, or things like that. Um, you know, and it's interesting you should ask that because I was just looking into a, uh, uh, a, a story that's been making the rounds the last uh, week or so about a, a spook light that uh, has been really popular up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. You know, people will, will go to the, this road and at the end of it, uh, at night, they'll see what appears to be, you know, like a, a bright ball of light that, uh, you know, mysteriously uh, appears and disappears. And, you know, you have... Uh, a, a number of locations um, all across the United States. Uh, Marfa, Texas, is is another one that has you know like these orbs of of mysterious light. And you know the debunkers have tried to say that oh you know you're just seeing you know faraway cars on say like a nearby uh, road. Uh, you know that uh, just due to the perspective you're you're seeing them. Uh, but um, you know I have uh, I have a, a good friend of mine who told me a story that uh, when she was growing up, uh, her and her family they had a house that was um, it was a Civil War era house. And uh, the, the the driveway was about a half a mile of just like a really bad gravel road through the woods. And she said that every night they would uh, watch from the upper floor bedroom and they could see this orb of light you know, making its way uh, down this driveway through the woods towards their house. She said it was kind of a uh, about the, maybe about the size of a basketball, and it was self-illuminating, and it would kind of like float, or sometimes she said it would it looked almost like it was bouncing, you know, on the road, and then it would it would float into their into their front yard and uh, kind of float around a little bit, and then make its way back out again. And she said that that one night her older sister 
and was like, you know, okay, I've had enough of this. And she went outside and was waiting for it. And uh, everybody else upstairs watching could see the light as it floated uh, into the yard and walked its way around. Her sister, who was in the yard looking for it, could not see it. They said that it, you know, it like worked its way around her, circled her, and then went back, you know, uh, out again. She never saw it. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, and uh, I can, re I remember one situation, you know, and this, it, this just remind, reminded me when you asked about the uh, the, the the orbs of light. Um. There was um, – this wasn't a case of mine, but uh, somebody that I knew who was um, working on a, uh, a case where uh, a little boy in a house kept saying that uh, um, there was a, an old woman who was, uh, who was haunting his room. He said that uh, this, this child would say that the old woman would appear at night and sit in a chair next to the bed and just watch him. You know, I mean, didn't, didn't do anything scary or anything like that. She just sat there and watched him. So this investigator came in, and um, he uh, he actually had um, one of the rare cases where he actually had a, an investigator uh, had his own uh, um, mediumistic abilities. He could actually, you know, communicate uh, with discarnate entities, you know, like, uh, through, through telepathy. And he come to find out, uh, cause this, this old lady just, you know, readily, um, talked to him. And, uh, she said that she, she had lived in the house previously and that, uh, uh, she had always just loved children. And, you know, since this was the only boy in the house, she would just sit, she said that she would just sit there in the chair at night just to watch over him, just to make sure that everything was okay. She had no intention of scaring him. And she said she was surprised actually that, uh, that he could see her, uh, and, uh, when when this investigator asked her if um, this was if this was her true form, if if just naturally she retained her form of how she looked when she was alive, she admitted to him that her true form in this state was of a ball of light or a ball of energy. And that she she supposed that uh, you know if she thought about herself as she used to look, then she would take on that form. But she 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 related that as she was relaxed and really not thinking about it, she would go back to her true state, which was a ball of energy. Wow, that is fascinating. Yeah, very much so. All right, now we're going to get into your Springfield Portuguese case. Um, can you first start off by telling us, Tim, how you actually got involved in it? Yeah, it was a very interesting case, and, and this occurred uh, back around 1983, and I was working for a television station in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, there had been a, uh, um, uh, a, a very – Wide, widely publicized case that uh, was taking place around the same time in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, in fact, there's a uh, uh, there's a famous picture uh, that that you know you and your listeners may have seen of this uh, this teenage girl sitting in a uh, in a chair in her house, and a telephone is uh, is shooting across her lap. 
um, the, the photographer just happened to take this photograph at just the right time, uh, and, and it shows like the receiver, and and then you know the the, the cord uh, attached uh, to the other part of the phone, and it's obvious that this phone that that something had picked this phone up and just threw it across. Uh, in front of this girl and she's like, you know, reacting, her hands are up in the air and she's like, <gasps> like that. And, uh, it, it, the interesting thing is that, uh, myself and a reporter had, had been in that house. Um, um, that same, was it the same day? It may have been the day before that photograph was taken. Um, but, um, the people who lived in, um, in, in the house near, near Springfield, they had heard about, they'd seen the television reports that we had done about this place in Columbus and had contacted us uh, because, you know, they, they weren't looking, they didn't want their story on television. They were just looking for somebody who could maybe tell them what was going on. So the assignment editor of the station who who had gotten the phone call, you know, knew I was interested in this kind of stuff. And so he gave me their their number and and I got a hold of him and I, and I talked to him on the telephone, you know, for several times, in fact. And um, we agreed uh, they agreed to let me come over to their house and uh, as, as long as I promised that I wasn't going to put this on television and uh, they they did say that I could uh, um, uh, write about it if, if I wanted to as long as I didn't use their names um, and they allowed me to to bring you know like television equipment and you know cameras and, and, and things like that so I was able to uh, uh, to, to, to take the camera uh, that I used uh, for work, uh, which uh, at that time was uh, um, 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 it was a tubed tubed camera, you know, like the the uh, electronic news gathering cameras that uh, you know you'll see uh, the uh, television uh, news photographers have. And at that time, everything was recorded on what was called three quarter inch videotape, uh, which required that you had to have a separate um, deck, uh, kind of like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, the VHS tape deck that you use for your television, uh, it had a strap on it that you would hang over your shoulder and that contained, you know, you would, you would put your, your, your videotape into that. And then it had a cable that attached to the camera. And then that's how you recorded, uh, you know, everything on the, on the videotape, both the camera and the deck required separate, uh, separate batteries. And, uh, the batteries, uh, that were used on these, uh, on the camera and the deck were pretty powerful. And so I brought, a number of batteries uh, with me, fully charged, that uh, so I could uh, you know interview these people, record the events, things like that. I also brought a uh, a, a tape recorder, uh, a small um, SLR uh, film camera, you know, just usual things. And uh, but uh, almost as soon as I got into the house, everything died. All of the batteries that I had with me were dead, and I had charged them at the station before I had left 
you know, for this location. And I mean, are you talking about, you know, these, these were batteries that they could run a camera and a deck for several hours. I mean, they're powerful batteries. Every one of them were dead. I mean, it was just, it was just like something had just sucked the, the energy out of all of them. Um, the, my, my film camera, it worked for a little while because it only, it only required like, you know, one of those, uh, uh, small, uh, little flat batteries. It was mostly a manual. So I was able to actually, you know, take a few pictures, nothing really, you know, of, of any significance. Uh, but, um, you know, the, that was the first thing that happened. You know, almost as soon as I got in the house, you know, anything that required batteries was dead. And, uh, you know, the house was owned by um, an, an elderly couple. And they they lived out, uh, you know, outside of town in, in a rural environment. They weren't, they weren't farmers or anything like that, but their house was surrounded uh, by cornfields. And it was just a, like a small ranch house, you know, maybe a, like three bedrooms, living room, kitchen, you know, just a you know, typical type of place. And uh, they had just recently um, had to have their grandchildren uh, come to live with them. It was like a, a boy of about uh, um, nine. He was about nine. And then the daughter was about 12. And uh, the, these children had to come and live with their grandparents because both of their parents had been uh, uh, sent to jail uh, for uh, drug-related uh, charges. I, I believe that's what the situation uh, was. And uh, the kids weren't very happy to have been uprooted from their home, but it was better that they go live with their grandparents than to get lost in, you know, the, the quagmire of social services. Um, the, the little girl especially uh, was unhappy because they had to move from, um, you know, move away from her friends and where she went to school and everything like that. And uh, the, the activity that had been going on in the house was, you know, and it, it's funny that I would, I would say this, but it was, it was fairly mundane uh, poltergeist activity. Um, there had been um, – uh, it started with uh, uh, like wraps on the walls and the furniture, uh, you know, like sound like somebody um, knocking at the front door and there wasn't anybody there. Um, little things – moving around or disappearing uh, at, at the point that uh, they contacted me there had been a couple of uh, situations where larger uh, um, um, pieces of furniture had moved around at at one point um, a uh, um, um, a chest of drawers in a bedroom had uh, when nobody was home they came home this chest of drawers had moved itself to a point where it had blocked the bedroom door and somebody had to go in through a bedroom window in order to move it in, to get into the room and as far as i know you know i mean nobody else had been into the house yet here was this uh, a fairly heavy uh, chest of drawers moved in front of the bedroom door um situations like that they uh, um, uh, 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 Kitchen, uh, 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 the chairs around the kitchen table had uh, had been moved and placed in kind of uh, uh, odd 
uh, positions and different locations in the house. And, you know, naturally, these people, I mean, they had no idea what was going on. Uh, nothing like this had ever happened in their house before. Uh, they had been the only occupants. You know, the house had been built for them years before, so it wasn't like they had moved in and there was a, a ghost that was upset that they were there. So when they saw the report that we had done on the Columbus poltergeist, they were like, this sounds like what we've got uh, going on. So I was sitting around talking to them because I was at that point, that was about the best I could do since none of my uh, equipment uh, was, was working. And there was, um, oh, and, and I should point out that the, the children were in the little boy's bedroom down the hall. We were, sit we were seated in the living room. And I was in a position on the couch where I could look straight down the hallway and into this boy's bedroom, which was at the very end of the hallway. The door was open. They were sitting on his bed playing a game of some kind. So I could, during this entire situation, I could see everybody very clearly. And, there, and then there was a, a, a noise. It was like a loud bang, not like thunder. It's hard to describe. It was almost like somebody had taken, say, like a huge mallet and hit the roof of the house with it because it just was like boom. And then, and then you could almost feel, you know, like the, the, the structure of the house shake a little bit. And uh, the, the, the husband turned to me and he's, he's like, oh, it's starting. And I'm like, what's starting? He's like, just wait for it. So we waited for a few minutes and nothing really happened. And and his his wife said, he goes, Oh well, I guess I guess it's not gonna happen. And just at that point, rocks started to drop down from the ceiling. And when I say rocks, they were little white rocks, maybe about the size of, you know, between the size of a a, a dime and a quarter. And uh, they, were, they were white limestone rock, the kind that you would find, you know, like in uh, people's driveway. Um, and these rocks, and I could see exactly where they were falling from because it looked to me like that they would just suddenly – they were just suddenly there underneath the ceiling and then they would fall to the floor. And just one after another, you know, methodically. So just appearing, no hole in the ceiling or anything? Nope, nope, no hole in the ceiling. Uh, uh, the, uh, the There was an attic, you know, almost like a crawl space type of attic, you know, just above there. And I actually, afterwards, I went up there and, and checked it all out and, and looked. And But these rocks just, uh, you know, maybe about, you know, I would say about eight in total fell down. And, um, so, I mean, we just, it's one of these situations and, and I, you know, um, um, in fact, I tried, uh, the second time around to take a picture of it. Uh, but, um, it's, you know, the, even, even with my lens set 
at a uh, uh, you know like at a fast uh, frame rate. I, I just never could quite capture you know them falling from the ceiling. I do I do have a picture of me you know like uh, holding the rocks in my hands you know after after a fact. So after the, these rocks fell, and I mean we were just all kind of like sitting there just watching this you know with our mouths hanging open because you know I'd never seen anything like this before, and they admitted that this was the first time that they that this had happened to them. So I gathered up all of these rocks, and I remembered a story that had been written by um, the late Ivan T. Sanderson, who had uh, written a number of, uh, of, of books on the similar situation, where he was in um, – it was New Guinea and witnessed a, a phenomenon very similar to this. And uh, uh, so I took these rocks, and I took out a magic marker, and I marked each one of them with a big X. And I went to the back door of the house, and uh, they had a fairly small backyard. And almost immediately on the other side of this yard was a cornfield. And, you know, this it was fairly mm, probably around August. So the corn was 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 full grown. And, and I took these rocks, and just one by one, I just chucked them as hard as I could into this cornfield. And then I sit down, and I said to them, I said, well, let's see what happens now. And almost as soon as I said that, these rocks came back. Same location in the ceiling, one by one, fell to the floor. And when I picked them up, each and every one of them had an X on them. So they were the very same rocks that I had uh, uh, taken and marked with an X and threw back out in the field. And somehow they had managed to find their way back almost immediately into the house. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I tell you something. It's uh, you know, and I've I've had some other interesting experiences, you know, uh, paranormal experiences in my life. And but but this one was probably one of the most most profound and one of the most that just really impressed me uh, the most. And um, so we and you know we waited around for a while and uh, nothing else. Um, Nothing else occurred, and I should note, like I said, you know, I could see, I could see everybody uh, uh, that was in the house at the time. Um, you know, uh, we and we didn't even, we we did our best not to say anything really loud while this was occurring, uh, so as not to scare the kids, because the kids during you know the entire uh, situation, uh, you know, before. Um, before I had showed up, uh, had been, you know, were really, really were being frightened by what was going on. Um, so uh, they they had no clue at the time of, of what was happening. And uh, and like I said, I could see them uh, from my my vantage point sitting on the on the couch. And then later I went up into the attic and uh, crawled my way across the uh, 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 the fiberglass. Uh, to uh, to that location and no holes you know in the ceiling or anything like that nobody else in the house you know your your guess is as good as mine on, on what happened uh, that that early evening um, now uh, the other interesting thing is that after that after that night uh, the, the, these people they told me that the Poltergeist phenomena almost completely vanished. 
Um, they they said that there had been, you know, like maybe a couple of, uh, of, of instances of, you know, like hearing like knocks on the wall. Uh, but uh, it was almost like the energy had been dissipated. Right. You know, it was like it, 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 that was that was its. Uh, yeah, that was the finale there. I was going to ask you, is there a connection between limestone and hauntings? You know, um, there could very well be You know, a, a, a friend of mine, uh, another writer by the name of uh, William Michael Mott. Uh, you know, he thinks that there, that there is that uh, uh, because uh, limestone apparently um, uh, uh, is a, is a really good conductor of um uh, I guess like the, the 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 natural electromagnetic fields that that permeate the the planet, and you know these uh, um, uh, the, the, these energetic electrical uh, fields they have a tendency to um, uh, work their way around the planet almost like in a grid system or ley lines. You know, some people have called them ley lines, uh, and. Uh, so you have areas that um, um, that that have uh, a predominance of um, of limestone rock in the area uh, seems to have a tendency to uh, have more um, um, hauntings, monster sightings, UFO activity, uh, and and a lot of these places, you know, the Native Americans uh, seem to uh, realize this as well because you have um, a, a, a lot more, um, say, like um, um, mound building and, and things like that. You know, if there is anywhere you know, close to you that is, uh, um, say, like a Native American uh, mound or, uh, or, 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 you know, ancient settlements or things like that, uh, if you want to see some kind of uh, unusual activity, you know, go and camp around these areas. And uh, I guarantee that, you know, after a while, you'll, you'll see something, something odd will happen to you. So, so yeah, I mean, I do, I do think that limestone, <laughs> Whether or not you know individual pieces of it, you know, uh, retains that kind of uh, energy. I don't know, uh, but uh, you know, uh, places where uh, there's quite a bit of it underground, you know, definitely there there does seem to be a connection. I'm curious to know. Do you think it was connected to the children in some way? You know that that part of me that has done the research over the years wants to say yes because traditionally when you have poltergeist activities they're always there almost always seems to be a um a, 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 either an adolescent or a child uh, fairly you know, close to adolescence, um, or an adult who is having emotional problems. Um, very rarely will you have a place that is having poltergeist activity where everybody is happy and hunky dory. Um, generally, if there is poltergeist activity going on in a residence, then, um, You'll find that somebody, if not the entire family, is unhappy and in turmoil. 
for one reason or another. Um, there's been a lot of cases uh, that I know of um, that have had uh, um, uh, where, where, where poltergeist activity has has come about, and there has been um, sexual abuse going on in that residence. Um, that happens quite a bit. I suspect that some of the older cases, you know, that you, that you read about in some of these books that, you know, were recorded, you know, back in the thirties and forties and maybe even, you know, earlier than that, um, that it was probably a similar situation where there was some kind of sexual abuse going on. And of course the, the writers either fail or the investigators either failed to look into that or kept it out just because that was the norm of the day. You didn't write about stuff like that. Um, nowadays, um, when I look into a case like that, you know, you just don't want to come right out and 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 ask, you know, is is there something going on along those lines? Uh, so you, know, I I kind of have to you know threat tread lightly around that. But uh, I, I tell you something, um, a majority of the cases that I have looked into in some of these situations, that does tend to be the case where you have maybe a family member abusing another family member or um, um, an adolescent who had been sexually abused by, say, like a neighbor or, or you know, something along those lines. Right. Um, Tim, have there been any cases um, in your past where you've been scared i'm trying to think you know um there there was a situation that i looked into um a friend of mine actually he was he was a co-worker that um his girlfriend in cincinnati had been was being bothered by a, a spirit that was sexually interested in her. And uh, uh, she, when she was in college, her and her friends had gotten the Ouija board out. You know, they, they'd been you know, having some drinks and got the Ouija board out. And this, uh, um, this, whatever you would call it had come through and had uh, directed itself upon her and said that, uh, that it was, um, uh, it was the spirit of a man that had been her um, uh, lover in a previous life and that she had been married to somebody else and that they were having, they were having an affair and the husband had found out and had, uh, had killed, had killed him. And uh, had dropped his body down a well, uh, you know, on onto their property, and uh, and now in this, you know, in this new life, she had reincarnated, and you know, and, but he was still a spirit. And uh, now that he had found, you know, the, whatever the, this entity was, he he told her that now that he had found a conduit back to her, that he was going to reclaim her, and uh, so from that point on. Um, she was being bothered uh, by this uh, by this entity. Whether or not the story that it gave her over the Ouija board was true or not, that's hard to say. You know, because there are 
there are elemental types of entities out there that um, they've never, you know, they, they never had a physical life. They weren't, they weren't a human being. They were, you know, whatever you would describe them. You know, Paul, uh, uh, Paul Enos, the, uh, the writer, he, he says they're parasites, basically, that they're like psychic parasites and they're, um, uh, they're real, but they're not, um, they're not physical like we're physical, but they can manifest themselves at time uh, in, in this physical realm, and they feed off of you know our 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 fear, our sexual feelings, and things like that. So um, uh, we we went to her apartment one time to to look into this case and uh, she provided a drawing for me and this uh, the drawing she provided this thing looked like um almost like a, like a traditional vampire you know it was like a tall thin man with uh, canid teeth and 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 everything like that and she she insisted that this thing would appear at night and would um, um you know get into bed with her and uh, attempt to make love to her and uh, would bite her and and things like that so the night that we spent in her apartment with her, we were out in the living room and she had gone to bed and um, all of a sudden these sounds started um, um, emanating from all over this apartment. Um, it, it, hard to describe, like whispers and people talking, but you just couldn't quite make out, you know, what they were what they were saying, and you know, like moans and groans, and I mean, and uh, it that that did scare me because not so much because of the sounds, but because of the atmosphere that developed at the same time. It was, it's hard to describe. It's uh, the air seemed to get thick and you just kind of had this, this creepy crawly feeling that something was going to happen. You know, it's almost the feeling that you get when um, um, it, it's going to storm really hard outside, you know, that, that, you know, five, minutes or so before the storm really breaks loose and everything just gets really quiet and still and you just you just know that something bad is going to happen and that's the way that that I was feeling at that time and in, and in fact I uh, her her bedroom door was open and we you know we, we looked in and she was asleep on the bed with her covers thrown off and she looked like that <sighs> It's, um, um, it looked like that that something was was making love to her. That's okay. about the best way. Okay, that, about the best way I can put it. Um, uh, but uh, just uh, we finally we just we just had to we just had to leave. Um, uh, we 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 went out into the hallway, and uh, and, and just uh, you know, and, and everything was normal out in there. You know, it was, it was funny. It was it was like walking through um, a wall from inside the apartment to outside. Um, the, the just that that oppressive air in that place, and that's you know that's that's been the that's the one time, really the only time that I really felt afraid, and it was it was almost like that fear was being manifested it's manifested upon me rather than coming from out of me. It was it was like it was being transmitted into me. It's hard to explain. You know, it, it was almost like it wasn't my fear, um, because when we stepped out in the hallway, it was gone. Wow. Okay. 
it was, it was very unusual circumstance, and and unfortunately that was that was a very sad case because uh, later on I found out that um, you know a couple of years later that that, that this young woman had uh, uh, passed away from uh, anorexia. Uh, she just basically uh, stopped eating, and then just just uh, just slowly died. It's very unfortunate. That is, and it almost sounds like a residual type haunting where. You know, something bad happens in a space and then all that energy gets trapped into that room or whatever, and it replays itself over and over. You might hear the gunshot or screams or th- or things like that. But on the flip side, even happy uh, events and times can get stuck in spaces where you hear a party or something like that happening. Um, oh, very much so. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, that is very interesting. Have you ever witnessed anything flying across the room or anything? I know people will say that they've seen it, but they never actually see it at the beginning. It's only when the object flies across their field of vision. And then, of course, they look over and no one, no one is standing there. Um, yeah, with the exception of the rocks falling down, um, I've, you know, I've never seen anything actually. Well, okay. I saw, and this wasn't this wasn't flying around, but it was moving, <laughs> um, and and then this was kind of an unusual uh, situation because this um, this wasn't in any kind of a haunted house or anything like that. I mean, it just it just happened. Uh, uh, I, I had taken uh, my little girl over uh, to her babysitter, and. Uh, I always, you know, I would always stand around and 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 talk to this woman for you know a few minutes before I left, and uh, we were in the kitchen and I was kind of I was leaning up against the uh, the counter, and uh, she was at the sink uh, uh, washing up some dishes, and immediately let's see it would have been to my left on uh, on a counter, there were um, like three or four of these decorative tin cans, uh, kind of like the kind that, you know, you'd get like, say like popcorn or, you know, or, or something like that. And, you know, it, it had, you know, like a, a scenery, uh, uh, painted on them. And one of these cans, and I just happened to glance in that direction when this happened, one of these cans, all of a sudden, and it was about the size of a coffee can, I would say, you know, like a, like a large coffee can. All, this can all of a sudden shook like there was something inside of it, like something alive inside of it. It shook and then it slid across the counter towards me, maybe about two feet and then stopped. And I was just like, OK, that's different. And I walked over to it and I picked it up and I opened it up and I looked inside because I expected the way it shook before it moved. It was almost like one of these, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these, you know, like a cat or dog toys that, uh, you know, have batteries in them. You know, you turn it on and they'll kind of like roll around on their own on the floor. And that's the way that that's the way the movement reminded me when it first shook. And I kind of expected that there'd be something like that inside of it. Nope, it was empty. The counter was dry. Um, nothing else moved, just this one can. 
and, uh, and and in fact, the babysitter she had her back turned it, and uh, and and she heard it though, and she kind of she was like, "Did that can just move?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she just kind of like shrugged her shoulders. She was very much skeptic about any of this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, um, I have no idea uh, why that happened. You know, they uh, they were living in a fairly brand new house. You know, they they built it themselves. So I mean, it wasn't like there was any ghosts. It was like a almost like a residual PK effect. But why it happened, I have no explanation. Some of the stuff you you know you could try to attach an explanation to it but uh you know there's just a lot of stuff that goes on that you know you you uh, our minds want to try to you know uh, pigeonhole it and put it attach an explanation to it but i think there's a lot of stuff you can't explain the only time that i've actually witnessed something like that happening is when i worked at a resort years ago that a batting cage indoor batting cage and we had just gotten finished uh, and so we hadn't been in there for a good five, 10 minutes. And then a ball starts rolling in there. <laughs> so that was weird. And, um, we all saw it. So my last question, Tim, is do you think more people, um, what am I trying to say here? Do you think certain people are more susceptible to hauntings than others? I think so. Yes. Um, I, I definitely think that there are people that have a haunted personality, so to speak, for want of a better word. Um, there, there just seems to be, um, they're just almost like magnets, so to speak to, to this kind of activity. You know, for years I was always kind of frustrated because, uh, I never saw anything and never heard heard, uh, you know, uh, anything, you know, uh, weird. And, you know, I've talked to these people that, I mean, they'd see all kinds of fascinating things, ghosts and UFOs and monsters, and I never saw anything. And then, you know, within just all of a sudden, it was almost like, a, for me, like a switch got turned on. And uh, uh, I've, I've had uh, a number of uh, just personal personally, uh, you know, unusual, albeit small, but still unusual occurrences, you know, happened to me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, whether it's their, their energy field or their state of mind or, or, or what have you. Uh, but, but yes, I mean, I do think that there are some people that they, they just seem to be, you know, like a natural, uh, magnet towards this kind of stuff. I agree with you, Tim, and this has been a great conversation. Why don't you take a moment to tell my listeners where they can find out more information about you or anything else you may be working on? Oh, sure. Well, uh, probably the first place to start is that you can go to my website, which I share uh, with uh, Timothy Gene Beckley, who is my publisher of uh, Global Communications, and that's uh, conspiracyjournal.com. I'll say that again, conspiracyjournal.com. And, uh, you know, there's uh, I have I have articles there and, you know, other other people that, you know, are friends of mine that uh, I let them put their articles uh, on there as well. You can also uh, at that location, you can sign up for um, my free email newsletter, which I put out every week. It's a an aggregate of uh, the world's uh, uh, strange events from that previous week. I have stringers from all over the planet that will send me interesting stories uh, that uh, I then have to go through a couple of hundred of them every week and pick out the best, you know, like seven or eight to put into the newsletter. And uh, it's a free newsletter, just uh, just 
just uh, sign up, send uh, your your email address, and uh, you'll you'll start getting it every week as well. And as well, you can find my books on uh, Amazon.com. I have a, a, an author's page on there uh, that that lists. Uh, um, Practically all of my books, I've, and I've lost count at this point how many that I've written. You know, I mean, I've I've written a number of them, you know, just under my name alone. But then I've also collaborated uh, with a number of other people, you know, and, uh, um, and and contributed, you know, like chapters and sections in in other books as well. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.